It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. There we go. We were frozen for a second. At least I was. Welcome, everybody. It is JC and Morgan. Hope you're doing well. It is back to our regularly scheduled slot of Monday morning, December the 11th. Hope everybody is going well. We welcome everybody tuning in, not only on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, but also the video version where you can see our smiling faces on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter it's uh, I'm joining the visor parade, JC. I uh, hope you don't mind. I'm not infringing on your wardrobe territory. I'm going with the Salt Life visor today. What, what you got going on there? Uh, Sandlapper Outdoors. Uh, oh, shoot. Co- company out of South Carolina, uh, sponsor of, of Carolina Rise, the NAL Collective, and uh, kind of some custom outdoorsy hats. Uh, they made the visor for me special because my head's too big for a hat. But they got some <laughs> sweet hats. Uh, if you're a South Carolina fan, shop the Garnet line and money goes to NIL there. If not, just uh, check out their other stuff, sandlepperoutdoors.com. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's uh, the. I, I don't think I'm going to be mad. You know, Kirby Smart, if your hair hung over a little bit more, Mike, you may be some infringing on his look a little bit. Oh, yeah, I do need a haircut. That's, the, that's yeah. the Kirby look now. Kirby's yeah. got the little visor shag like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I model everything after Kirby Smart, you know, but uh, that's <laughs> – it's one of those things. I texted a friend of mine one day that knows Kirby, and uh, he was on the air on ESPN, and he had he was like in a suit with his hair all you know all done perfectly and stuff. And I was uh-huh. like, "Where's the visor and hair, man? I've modeled my whole look after this guy." And he of course laughed, so it was funny. But anyway. Spurrier's the guy that made it cool. I mean, oh, I didn't yeah. own a visor until Spurrier. I remember interviewing Eli Drinkwitz, and I asked him, "Where does the visor?" Co-? Oh, he goes, "Spurrier, man, that's my guy." Uh, Hugh, Furrier, Hugh Freeze, namely. Hugh Free, yeah. Uh, they all looked at Steve back in the heyday wearing that visor and throwing it and tossing it. and uh, yeah. But he had he had uh, what some of the kids call pimp swag when he wore the visor. And so now you see a lot of coaches. And, heck, if you're coaching like the SEC in September and it's 98 degrees outside, you got to let that scalp breathe a little bit. I know. you got to let that scalp breathe. Now, you've got a big dome, as you, you like to mention, you know, I don't know what it's like in Chicago. In Atlanta, every now and then you'll see these cars driving around, and they've got this big video LED board on top of the car. And and the car's not going anywhere in particular. It's just driving all around the city, and somebody pays the driver hmm. just to, to, to drive the LED board because that's great advertising, right? Now, I'm thinking with that head... Right, you could put a little, you could do some sponsorship deals and just ride around Chicago. I've pitched that advertisers <laughs> before on this show and the other one. I'm like, I will wear a visor with your logo on it or a beanie. Yes. I have a, I have a beanie. Uh, our other sponsor that I'm, I mentioned here, Shot Titan Construction. Uh, I have a Titan Construction beanie that I've been wearing. 
uh, you know, the, the, and look, the beanie kind of hides all my hair, and, and, and you can kind of see my face better, and it, it's appropriate for the weather up here. But, uh, you know, those LED boards, Mike, I haven't seen those since. I mean, you know, we know where they were popular is in Las Vegas. Yeah, of oh, course, yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, they're advertising some stuff. 27 strip clubs is what they advertise yeah, in Vegas, it's, right? Uh, it's one of those things, but uh, I guess that's being popular. I, I don't get downtown enough to see exactly what the deal is here with that, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And I, I think Actually, that's a, that's a pretty good gig. Like, I would probably, if, if it yeah. came to it, I'd probably, hell, I'd, I'd do it. That's not a bad gig at all. I'd rather do that than, than be an Uber driver because you don't have to deal with people. Yeah. You don't have to deal with people going in, in and out of your car and... You hear, I mean, just the nightmare stories with Uber drivers, man. I mean, it's it's getting it, bad. Yeah, it's getting bad. It's getting it's getting. Sometimes you question humanity when you hear stories from an Uber driver. That's for sure. Uh, we'll have plenty of humanity here. We uh, we run a family uh, very pro humanitarian show on JC and Morgan. I got to say, first off, hats off to our audience. Uh, last week we threw everybody a curveball, right? We did a and I'd like to say we were smart enough to plan this. Honestly, it came down to scheduling conflicts with uh, myself, you know, really in the middle of doing a lot of games, both NFL and college basketball and, you know, college football. The regular season is wrapped up now. But uh, so we had to do a little bit of an audible. Uh, and we did Sunday morning. And we started at 1130. And, of course, the committee came down with the decision a little after 12. So we did like a pregame. Then we had the actual game, right, when the committee selected the four, and then we had a post-game reaction. We didn't really necessarily think of it in those terms, but that's how it went down. And we had incredible numbers. You folks loved it. Uh, so much good feedback that, that I've received from, from you out there on how that show was. And, look, for me it wasn't about uh, projecting – who was going to get in? I just said my thoughts and who I thought should get in. And yes, I had Alabama four and Florida State out, and I knew that was going to cause a storm, and it did. But that's what the now. Did I have full confidence the committee was going to do that? No, I didn't know that they would sack up and do that because the easy way out, honestly, would have would have just been to put Florida State in and go on the the old faithful. Um, well, they were undefeated Power 5, and undefeated Power 5s get in, and Alabama lost the game, and so therefore, easy peasy. A closer look at everything tells you it's not that easy, because this is the first time we've ever had a Power 5 undefeated team that their most valuable player, by leaps and bounds, was going to be unable to play. And clearly that factored in. And as I mentioned on last week's show, the language is not the four best resumes, but the four best teams moving forward. And you just can't claim, if you watched Florida State versus Louisville, if you watched Florida State versus Florida, that they were remotely the same offense uh, without Jordan Travis. So I don't want to relitigate that, but I just thought it was, because then I wound up doing a week's worth of shows on 680 The Fan here in Atlanta and, and fi found myself again, because I'm following the morning show and those guys are yelling and screaming that it was an injustice and everything. Actually, I, I, two of the guys thought it was the right call. And two of the guys thought it wasn't. Now, that makes for good debate. I'm not being critical either way. Like I said, if you were one of those that were hell-bent that Florida State got robbed, that's okay. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I would have had no problem if Florida State got in. But they didn't. And so now we, we move forward. And, again, the great thing about it is we're never going to be faced with that again. Not to that level. With a 12-team playoff, never going to be faced with that again. 
Um, this past weekend, JC, we had the Army-Navy game, which that is a bucket list thing for me, and it should be a bucket list thing for every American. Uh, I don't want to just watch it on TV. I want to be there. I want to be in the stands for that. And one of these days, I will. Congratulations to Army on winning the game. Uh, the Heisman Trophy came and went. I can now tell you who I voted for. I did indeed vote for Jaden Daniels. I held out my, my vote uh, to the very last uh, minute. Uh, including the conference championship games. You know, if, for example, Carson Beck went crazy for Georgia and they won another game, he would have been in consideration for my vote. If Bo Nix went nuts and beat Washington and avenged an earlier loss, he would have been in consideration. Um, Penix obviously was in consideration. But in the end, Jaden Daniels was the best player in college football. He just was. And it was a three-loss team. That's okay. I voted for other three-loss quarterbacks in the past, from Manziel to Tebow to RG3. Um, I'm missing one. Oh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Voted for him. That was a three-loss Louisville team. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be on a playoff team to get a Heisman vote. And Jaden Daniels, uh, I thought going in, he'd be the favorite out of the SEC. Of course, I also thought LSU would beat Alabama. I was wrong. Didn't know LSU wouldn't be able to defend anybody if their life depended on it. But he was magnificent, and as it turns out, I, I, I didn't think it would even be close. He had 503 first-place votes. Penix had 292. What's interesting to me, J.C., uh, and I want your thoughts on this, and we will get to the J.C. 5 and all the other good uh, nuggets of this podcast that you've come to uh, expect, What's interesting to me is with Jaden Daniels, the former Arizona State Sun Devil, winning the Heisman, five out of the last seven Heisman Trophy winners are transfers. Now, some of those were before the portal even existed and before NIL even existed. But now more than ever, and I'll go over some of the names on the transfer portal that still haven't uh, changed, uh, announced where they're going. But Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, the only two out of the seven that were homegrown products, so to speak, Devontae Smith of Alabama and Bryce Young of Alabama. Everybody else won the Heisman in the portal. And here we sit where Cam Ward, Riley Leonard, uh, Will Rogers in the portal, Dylan Gabriel already announced he's going from Oklahoma to Oregon, Blake Shapin going from Baylor to Mississippi State. Grayson McCall's in the portal. DJU is in the portal. Will Howard of K-State is in the portal. Holy smokes, we are living in the portal era, my friend. Absolutely. I got a, a nice little JC5 that ties in it from the NIL end. But uh, that position, Mike, is, is very fluid. And uh, I think the days of quarterbacks that have any chance at all to start, and even some that are already starting, as we found out this year, which is surprising to me. Uh, it's going to be a very mobile position <laughs> uh, because it's so important, as you always point out, uh, you know, if there's any doubt at all about who you have returning to take the starting job, if you have any doubt, you know, you, you need to go, you'll go get that just, just to make sure. I mean, you got coaches getting fired after two years these days. There is no tomorrow in college football anymore, so – if you can go save your season by landing a transfer quarterback, uh, that'll happen. And I think the days of some of these teams, uh, the Blue Bloods, uh, loading up with five deep with four-star quarterbacks, I think that's over. You know, I, I think uh, 
players at that position are now smart enough to realize if I go someplace else, I not, not only can win games, uh, but I can set myself up to win a Heisman or, or whatever. But it's uh, – yeah, that position has been kind of in in flux for a while in this sport, and it's just going to continue to do it. Uh, you know, now th- there's some things like Kyle McCord leaving that, and Dylan Gabriel leaving. I was kind of surprised by, to be honest, this time around. Uh, but you know, heck, most of these guys make good decisions, and and the new fits, the new schools make sense, and you know, they're going to where they can take advantage of an opportunity. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, it's, it, 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 like high school recruiting. Does this change things? Maybe uh, a strategy. Uh, do you sit there now and do you maybe take the guy that's going to give you three years to develop him uh, to get that starting shot, or, or do you continue to recruit these guys that are there for a while? And if they're going to start, they're out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to watch and see the strategy uh, moving forward at that spot. Well, how many other Carson Becks are there going to be would be my question. Like, there is a guy that waited his turn and and sat there on the bench behind Stetson Bennett. And even this year was not a guarantee to get the starting job, but certainly was the favorite and obviously won it. And now the question is whether or not he comes back for Georgia for another year. Um, And honestly, Mike, he wasn't ready. I mean, he wasn't ready to start. They would have been in trouble had had he been But you can't convince these kids that, right? You can't – like, these kids – most of them, they don't look at it that way. They look at it as, well, maybe I'm not ready here, but I'll be ready somebody somewhere else. I'm gone. Or it's just a pure money grab deal, which is what we're seeing more and more often. Because a lot of those names I just mentioned, I mean, Cam Ward has been a stud at Washington State. Riley Leonard, a stud at Duke. Why are they leaving? They're not, they're not in jeopardy of losing their job. Uh, they're leaving based purely on profit. Um, they're they're going for a bigger, better deal, and you're seeing that all over the place. So what the the times of where I'm I'm leaving because I I need more playing time, that's not what this is all about. In more more cases than not, when it comes to the quarterback position, it's a I'm hitting the portal because I'm going to make more money here. Now in some cases, look, if you've got a chance to play for a national championship, even if the money's the same, then I get it. Like. That's that's attempting as well, but more often than not, it just seems like it's a little more about the uh, the coin. But we'll get to that more yeah. in the uh, JC Five. In fact, I'll just mention one other news note: uh, Phil Parker did win the Broyles Award for the best assistant coach in college football. That's the Iowa defensive coordinator. Can anybody argue that he wasn't outstanding? Uh, if he had an offense that was historically bad, and he kept Iowa in every game just about, and had them in the Big Ten championship game so kudos to uh mr parker for the job that he did fcs playoffs are going on you might see the background for those of you that are watching on youtube this week i chose beautiful washington grizzly stadium on the campus of the montana grizz that's right the montana grizz are in the final four you got north dakota state you got south dakota state which it seems like that's almost a given these days and then uh, we do have one surprise. University of Albany, J.C., as a five seed, is uh, in the final four. How about you know, that? You know, Jared Verse from Florida State came from Albany. That's right. They're, they're That's doing right. something. Right. What are they, the Retrievers or something? There's oh, you got me there. Anyway, uh, they yeah, it's S-U-N-Y Albany, State University of New York at Albany. Uh, so that's interesting. Hey, four cold-weather teams. In the yeah. in the finals, Furman, 
Furman had their chances against Montana uh, Friday, by the way, uh, the Paladins from South Carolina. But uh, it's interesting how as a lot of your powerhouse FCS schools from the South have ascended into FBS, be it the Sun Belt or Conference USA or whatever, um, it's interesting that they uh, – oh, they're the Great Danes, Phil says. Thank you, Phil. Oh, even better. Yeah. Love that nickname. Where, where can I get some Great Danes swag? That's fantastic. What a but, great but, mascot. But as that's happened, though, Mike, you know, like you don't have an App State or a Georgia Southern or a James Madison anymore uh, at that level or Jacksonville State or a Troy. I mean, they're all at FBS. So right. That it's it's interesting how like you know the one area of the country that sort of avoided that with big state universities um, like Montana, Montana State, North Dakota, the South Dakotas is up there kind of in the northern Rockies, the Big Sky. <laughs> and so it's very weird that that is the epicenter of FCS football. But those programs are all good. I mean, look at I mean I'm looking at that Montana Stadium right now. That's that's that, that that's a school that gets a Beautiful. lot of support. You know, Montana State same way. Um, I know Idaho is back in FCS, and uh, they 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 were they were in the playoff. FBA they were in the playoff, you know, and, and the, the, there's just not a lot of southern teams anymore. I mean, Furman is a power once upon a time, but it's a small private school. You know, there's just not a lot uh, in the South anymore to go up there and um, and compete. So that's that's an interesting part of college football that the the the, the, the powerhouse teams in that division now are up there in this big vast. Not densely populated part of the country. I used to be more boned up on this, but it's to kind of maybe answer the question that lies from uh, underneath all of that is, well, well, why not? Why haven't they? There used to be, I think there still is, a requirement in terms of like that stadium you see behind me seats 25,000. I don't know if that's enough. You have to have a stadium that has a certain capacity. You have to have an average attendance over a three-year span. Like these used to be the rules. This is what the UCFs of the world, Marshall. Remember, Marshall was winning national titles with Randy Moss at 1AA. Imagine a 1AA defensive back looking across the line of scrimmage and seeing Randy Moss coming at you. Um, and Eric, and Eric Cresser from Florida was the Yes, Eric Cresser, a, a transfer from Florida, was one of the Q- – Chad Pennington, Chad Pennington, a future first-round pick. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, – those schools – Wanted the FBS designation because again the, the money is there and you're you're on a, a bigger stage. But I don't know if the Montana's and the Dakota schools if that's really uh, in the cards for them. You're, it, it's a, you're limited a little bit in terms of uh, facilities, I guess, and, and finances. And they might be quite frankly just cozy where they are. You're playing for national championships instead of being a money grab game for a, a power five school. And losing, you know, fifty-six to three—that's uh, yeah. you know, for every UCF that did that path and somehow made their way all the way to a, a Power Five league like the Big Twelve. There's a lot of other stories of schools that were FCS powers, went FBS, and now they're virtually irrelevant. Yeah, and that's sad. You know, I think about a place like Georgia Southern, um, which Clay Helton's doing a really good job there. They win seven, eight games a year in a, in a brutal Sun Belt conference. But man, I mean, they used to be when Irk Russell was there. Yeah, they played the junkyard dog defense. I mean, they they were winning natties. They That's they right. had a, they had a running back named Adrian Peterson before the Adrian Peterson that we know that went to Oklahoma. It was really really right. good. So yeah. uh, 
Yeah, it's, you know, you, 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 App State, you know, App State's still a pain in the behunkas for a lot of teams that they play every year. But they used to play for national championships, and now they're like, oh, the Camellia Bowl. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Myrtle Beach Bowl, baby. You know, yay. So I, I – that's, and that's the one drawback. Now, people disagree with me about that all the time. I've always thought they should have stayed or you should have a group of five playoffs, something like that. But um, some people disagree. They think, oh, no, no, you want to go to FBS and, and do whatever. So that's good. All that being said, you have waited for it. The morale of a great nation depends on it. It is time once again for the JC5. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC5. Number uh, one. All right, Number Mike, one. Number one. Let's get uh, your annual take on bowl games, Mike, because I think it's almost like a PSA. Why are there so many bowl games? Why are there so many bad matchups? Uh, just break it down for everybody, man. It's all about the TV viewing audience, and, and, and that's it. Yeah, look, there's 41 of these. There's a a, a, a talk show guy out of Charlotte. I don't, I'm not going to mention his name. And for like 15 years, his hot take is, there's too many bowl games. I can't stand it. It bothers me that there's so many bowl games. Like that. That's supposed to be his really... Uh, big-time hot take, and the answer from people like me are always, well, then don't watch. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> don't, what are you, you going to watch the Hallmark? You're going to watch a movie on Hallmark? You're going you're gonna to do a little cuddle time and sit there and watch the story of the lonely housewife that falls in love with the mailman? Would that be better TV for you? Uh, if you don't like it so much, quit your bitching and watch something else or read a book, do something. The, the, the actual reason that you do this is absolutely it, it, these make money oh, but mike i see a bunch of empty seats doesn't matter they rate well there's nothing else going on in the sports world when these games are running so when you put on a myrtle beach bowl uh for example on a monday at three o'clock that is the one sporting event going on and people do watch so uh, and it means a lot. Here's the one thing I like about those bowl games is that, you know, when I've broadcasted those bowl games and you sit down with players and coaches, you could tell it means everything to them. It means absolutely everything to them. The Cure Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the First Responders Bowl. They're not worried about opting out. They're not worried about NIL money. They're not worried about the transfer portal. They're just happy to compete. You say that you're you're discouraged by the the game looking more and more like the NFL, and it's not about the love of the game. Well, for these kids, it actually is the love of the game. So enjoy it. Soak it up. doesn't matter if you don't know a single player on the team. If the announcers are doing their job, they're giving you reasons to, to be interested in certain players. Uh, and then there's the gambling component. Let's not be naive. That's a big part of the whole thing. A lot of people are treating bowl pools the way we've treated March Madness brackets for, for decades. That's a thing. Or whether or not so-and-so can cover the three-and-a-half. That's always been a thing, and that's not going away. So, uh, I don't – I give me 60 bowl games. I don't care. Does anybody, when college football ends, goes, thank goodness I couldn't take any more games? Hell no. You get sad. You get morose. You want the damn season to keep going because you know college football makes you happy. Bowl games should make you happy. So, if you're complaining about it, I, I don't know what to tell you. Just find something else to do. And if you if you just don't like the matchups and the sponsors and the this and the that, 
read a book. I think they could tweak the spot. I think they could tweak the matchups a little bit. I, I think they could make – and, you know, I think we're past the point where it's this big post – like it means – it doesn't always mean you had a successful season, right? No. I do think, I do think that six and six MAC teams getting in over four, four win SEC teams, I mean, I think they draw even better ratings because uh, – Regardless of the record, I mean, you know, you don't think Tennessee fans are going to show up in Montgomery for the Cabilia Bowl or at least tune in. You're talking about large fan bases. That would be my recommendation, sort of like what they're doing with the NIT. They finally eliminated the the automatic qualifier for the, the mid – because the NIT was becoming basically the mid-major invitational. Uh, but, you know, then again, is that fair? I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I, I think that there's ways you can tweak it. And certainly as the playoff expands – uh, there may need to be something to look at there. But I'm with you, man. Give me all the ball college football I can get. We wait all year for this sport. You don't have that many games. It has the fewest number of opportunities to see your team play or any team play uh, in any major sport. You know, 12 games. That's all you're, all you're guaranteed. And so uh, I think Bulls uh, are here to stay. And I, you're never going to hear me complain there's too many Bulls. I, I and, just, again, uh, un- uh, unlike a five, let's just say a five and seven SEC team did get in, this year they didn't as we know but you know if it wasn't for James Madison and Jack State finally getting their waiver or whatever uh then it would have been probably next on next up SEC after mm-hmm. Minnesota got it based on some ridiculous APR formula a 5 and 7 SEC team is probably not going to be that happy to be there a 5 and 7 SEC team is going to have opt outs and probably yeah. a good deal of them when you watch a team from the MAC the Sun Belt Conference USA Ain't nobody opting out. This is this is the pinnacle for them. So I, I at least I, I know, yeah. At least I know I got a team at full strength. At least I know I got a team that's all in, uh, and and the competition on the field is going to mean something. It's not an exhibition to them. It, it truly is a huge, huge deal for the players in those uh, minor bowl games, which will start in earnest next week. Number two. All right, Lincoln Riley. Looks like he's cereal. I'm sorry, that's that's from a South Park episode where Al Gore was like, I'm cereal instead of serious. Looks like he's serious. What they get away with on that show never ceases to amaze me, and quite frankly, it brings a smile to my face. That and Family Guy. I mean, I'm like, oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, anyway. You say anything when it's a cartoon. You, you, you're uncancelable <laughs> if you're animated. Yeah. So uh, remember Brad bragging on DeAnton Lynn, who was the D- DC at UCLA. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to be a good D coordinator with Chip Kelly and his offense and all that. And UCLA played great defense all year long, and then all of a sudden, boom, the crosstown rival just takes their coordinator, just cuts their heart out. Just I mean, thirty minutes away. You just <laughs> come on. Uh, and then uh, over the weekend, he hires. Speaking of North Dakota State. Uh, he hired Matt Entz, who is the North Dakota State head coach, to be the assistant head coach for defense and linebackers coach. Um, you never know how these things are going to work out. Uh, sometimes if you have a situation that's a little bit cultural with your program, uh, it doesn't matter who you hire. And uh, I'll throw the Texas Longhorns under Charlie Strong and Tom Herman in that category And until this year under Steve Sarkeesian. But uh, Texas looks like they finally got it together, obviously. Um but uh, sometimes it's, it doesn't matter who you hire. But I think this, these moves are really uh, the type of moves that are that are going to pay off for him. I think Lynn 
Uh, it was kind of a hidden gem that Chip, Chip Kelly found. Hats off for him for getting him. Uh, he's a Pac-12 guy. Uh, surprisingly enough, UCLA was really, really good on defense. And then the head coach at North Dakota State, Matt Entz. I mean, obviously those guys know a thing or two about playing defense. So just kind of looking at it uh, on paper, and you don't play them on paper, I think uh, Lincoln Riley's back was a little bit against the wall on that side, and uh, it looks like he's got two uh, two very, very good solutions lined up to um, – to take the Trojans' defense to the next level. Excuse me. I think the hire makes all the sense, excuse me, in the world. And obviously you feel a little bit for North Dakota State. It, it, it goes falls back in line with what we were talking about earlier. I mean, you just can't compete with the money of the big boys. And Southern Cal is shelling out money. They don't have oil uh, in L.A., but they got a lot of money with that program. That being said, J.C., I was thinking about this when I saw the news. I was thinking about Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You think maybe they hired some good defensive coaches in Norman during the time he was there? You you think maybe they had some good, talented players on the defensive side when when he was there? And yet, I can't think of any great defenses he had. So, sometimes the, the problem is not everybody around you. The problem is you. And I just wonder if... Like, if you're Lincoln Riley, you can only make so many moves and fire so many defensive coaches and coordinators before it all starts pointing back to you. And Oklahoma fans are probably sitting there going, we've seen this movie before. Defense is not a thing. And the offense is all about scoring quick, and the defense is back out on the field. It's not complimentary football. All the same things that you heard at Oklahoma, you're hearing now with the Trojans. So, I mean, kudos to the move. You hired a, a great coach in Matt Entz. I just I don't know how much that fixes things. I'm, I'm with you there, Mike. I think he needs to call up Coach Spurrier and be like, hey, look, when you hired Stoops, what did you do? And, 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 and how did that elevate the Gators? Um, and, and, and Spurrier actually cared about defense a lot more than people thought. He, he, but his – he didn't really get into it. He's just like, get get off the field so I can get my offense back up the field <laughs> there. But, um, you know, he he finally, you know, after uh, being okay, not great on defense, uh, kind of right before they won it all in 96, you made that right move with Stoops, and the rest is history. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen there, but I'm definitely with you on that. Number three. Okay, Tulane, I think – if you're going to lose Willie Fritz, this is a great hire. Uh, John Summerall from Troy, 23-4 uh, and four as the head coach at Troy, uh, kind of uh, replaced Chip Lindsey two years ago and immediately started winning. I, I believe they won the Sun Belt this year. Um, you know, I, I, he's a guy that uh, – was up for the Mississippi State job. I thought that would be a good direction for Mississippi State to go. Uh, was an assistant at Kentucky under Mark Stoops, played at Kentucky. Uh, great hire for the Green Wave. That said, uh, and I know Stoops did not go to A&M, but that said, <laughs> if, something, if Stoops did go somewhere, uh, Tulane's going to be right back to the drawing board because I think I believe strongly he's the next guy at UK. He played there. It makes total sense. 
Uh, but, you know, hats off to Tulane for saying, hey, you know, we want to keep this thing rolling and, and we're going to go hire the best coach we can. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a great hire. Uh, he was the D.C. there in, from 2012 to 2014. And in uh, the last couple of years, uh, as the Troy head coach, 23-4 and four back-to-back Sunbelt championships. He's only 41. That's a heck of a resume. I'm a little surprised. I mean, I know people that went to Troy, and, and, and I've been there, and I know that fan base and how they, they bleed uh, college football. I mean, they, they're all in. And and they're, it's not FCS. This is, this is Sun Belt, which you, you could make the argument that Sun Belt has surpassed the American as the top non-power uh, conference in college football. Does Is this a money deal? Like, does, did Tulane win a bidding war to keep Coach Sumrall? Because although Coach Fritz did great work with Tulane before that, you know, Tulane is a little bit uneven, and at times there are a lot of questions about the, the financial commitment to football at that program. So somebody must have stepped up in the fundraising department at Tulane, is my guess. So I don't I don't really know if this is a better job, quite honestly. Uh, but, yeah, he makes the move. It's, it's interesting. It, it is. It, and is it or, you know, it is interesting. What it does tell me is uh, – you know, Katrina was what eighteen years ago. I think Tulane is all the way back financially. You remember they yeah. struggled for a long, long time after that happened. So uh, good for them, and um, yeah, I think it's a heck of a hire. And uh, you know, you just better hope Mark Stoops doesn't go anywhere. Well, number. I mean, that's that's a whole other. Doesn't mean to step on you, announcer guy. As a whole other can of worms that the Stoops thing because mm-hmm. that doesn't just go away. You you clearly were entertaining leaving, and for all we know, he was as good as gone before some people at A and M said, "No, no, 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 that's not exactly who we want." Yeah, he but, told people he was like, "Yeah, yeah." So I mean, you are the guy in a relationship that clearly showed heavy interest in another woman, and, and then all of a sudden the other woman said, "No, I, I'm I, I like you as a friend." And then you go back to your your main squeeze. You're like, honey, I told you I love you. Let's let's go to the movies. <laughs> just, that 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 doesn't just go away with uh, with time. So I I think next year is going to be very interesting in Lexington. Four. Okay, so in the NIL world, Mike, there's a lot of BS out there that gets propagated by. You know, people on Twitter, the media. I mean, the other day, one of the NFL guys that, that does a good job reporting talked about, like, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. getting $25 million to come back. I'll tell you this right now. As much as I love Marvin Harrison Jr., if somebody gives him that much money to come back and play college football at Ohio State, they are absolutely stupid. I mean, Of course. On. And it's that's just, not an accurate figure. That's just dumb. You know, that said, the going rate for – accomplished quarterbacks and Matt Rule mentioned this and he's right, you know, is between seven fifty and seven figures. Um you're a quarterback guy, you're a believer that, you know, you're only as good as the guy under center in most cases. You know, you just mentioned five out of the seven Heisman trophy winners are transfer quarterbacks. Uh is it worth that? Is it worth that much monetarily? I would lean toward yes, but what do you have to say? I would uh, emphatically say yes. And, you know, when, when Coach Rule mentioned those figures, there were a lot of people like, oh, what? 
Well, apparently they weren't listening to J.C. and Morgan because we've been telling you the average rate in a conference like the SEC is seven figures. In fact, I would love – again, they don't open the books, so we just have to go on reports. But I would wager that in 2024 there will be much more quarterbacks in the starting quarterbacks in the SEC that are making a million and beyond versus quarterbacks that are not. So if, like, if you're an established guy uh, or just a ridiculous blue-chip recruit like the kid at Tennessee or like an Arch Manning at, uh, at Texas, you're, you're making seven figures. Uh, whether it's Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, I mean, these, these are kids are all making seven figures <clears throat> as the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just the new normal. That's the, if you're going to play quarterback in Michigan, Ohio State, you're making seven figures. Florida State, Clemson, you're making seven figures. Southern Cal, you're making seven figures. I mean, that's just that's where we are. And that's why you see the names that I just mentioned, the guys that are already, they've already got the job. They don't, <laughs> they're already like big man on campus. They're already making NIL money, but they know they can make more somewhere else. That is, folks, this is this is the NFL in a college football world. We're, we're using the NFL template, except, except in the NFL, and you're a free agent and you sign a contract with somebody else, you don't just get to skip town nine months later for another deal. Uh, and I realize you have to technically get an appeal and then you cl- then you claim that you have uh, mental health issues, and then the NCAA will buckle nine times out of ten, or maybe ninety nine out of a hundred. Um, but but you have to honor contracts in the NFL, or they'll cut your rear end, and and it's not guaranteed money. I don't know how we're doing things in NIL world of college football, but it seems like it is beyond player friendly, and the player can kind of stick it to the man. But if you don't if you don't pay, you're not going to compete. You you just, at the highest levels, you're just not going to. So if you try to like be like, well, you know, we don't do things that way here. So you the, the scholarship is the thing. You're going to get outdone in and that and and that's one position you do not want to get outdone in. You just mm-hmm. don't want to go. You don't want to lowball for the quarterback spot because it's really hard to win games in college football. If you don't have a guy at that position, it's almost impossible. You could do everything else really, really well. If you don't have a guy at that position, it's going to be really hard. Number five. One school that did not have a guy at that position last year was uh, Nebraska. Kyle McCord, uh, according to you know speculation and the Vegas odds, uh, appears to be heading to Lincoln. I think this is a huge mistake, and I'll tell you why. The offensive coordinator at Nebraska is really good at convincing guys to come, and things don't get any better. Because <laughs> I saw him do it at South Carolina when he uh, had a revolving door of transfers and whatnot and hurt guys one year, and then the next year he had Spencer freaking Rattler, and things did not get any better until the end when he basically had the tra- you know had training wheels put on his offense. Um, that said, I think McCord's the type of guy that, in theory, if he can master whatever this guy thinks he wants to do, uh, that's a big, huge upgrade from, like, Jeff Sims and everybody they had last season. So uh, I'm not going to wish ill will 
on Nebraska fans. If he goes, that's great for them. I'm happy. But, man, oh, man, you want to talk about, like, not a fit uh, compared to, you know, the Ohio State offense, which is obviously very quarterback friendly. I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what the thought process is there. Because, uh, you know, Nebraska's got money, but I don't, I don't you know, I don't know that they can outbid Ohio State. I mean, so uh, that's just interesting there. Your thoughts on McCord to the Huskers? Yeah, I mean, even if you had uh, the, the Broyles Award winner as your offensive coordinator at Nebraska, you're going to leave Ohio State for Nebraska? Uh, something something with this one seems like, to quote Greg Stanky, one thing is not like the other. Uh, I, this one seems unique. This one, I don't know if Ohio State might not have given, and I, and I don't know their uh, backup. I don't know what their quarterback room looks like. I'm, I'm sure they got a five star sitting there, you know, in the program. I don't know who he is, but this was a guy um, who, at times, was really good, and at times was not so good with a ridiculously talented receiving core and the best wideout in college football. So I just wonder, you're Ryan Day, you've lost three straight to Michigan. That's everything to those fans. You don't beat Michigan. You don't keep your job. Just ask John Cooper. Uh, and I just wonder if maybe, you know, okay, what does he do to save his job? Fire some coaches. That's what everybody does, right? Fire assistants. It's not my fault. It's their, it's their fault. They, they're the ones that didn't do the job. And then maybe you just kind of plant the seed like, yeah, yeah, it's McCord. He's, he's good, but I don't know if he's ready for the big time. You know, we got we got better. Don't don't worry, we got better options coming down the pike, and maybe McCord kind of gets wind of that, and maybe he says, "Okay, I'm not wanted here like I was." I'm just I have no idea if that's true. It's either one or the other. It's either McCord wants to leave a ridiculously elite program and lost one game this year, and you know has plenty of NIL money. Or maybe he saw some tea leaves and said, okay, I'm not wanted here. i got to find somewhere else to go. Now, why Nebraska? We know Nebraska's got a ton of money. Um, and, and so somebody sold him that, if, if that's where he winds up going, which, again, that's not confirmed. But, yeah, that's the one that's just, like, eye-popping. All the other ones I'm kind of getting used to, but the McCord one, that smells a little bit different to me, J.C., I feel you there. I feel you there. Well, that was a heck of a JC5. That was a heck of a JC5. That was a heck of an opening segment. We're going to take a heck of a timeout. We'll come back. We'll go around the Southeastern Conference. It's JC and Morgan. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any good best on a bracket of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. 
If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Let's get in the RV and take a drive around the SEC. Yeah, let's do that, shall we? Drive around the SEC, presented by Elite Roofing. Jeremy Johnson and the great crew there have you covered, no matter where you're listening to us from, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, parts of Tennessee. Go ahead and check out the website, EliteRoofingAndRestoration.com. Free, F-R-E-E, free consultation uh, to see what you need, whether it's a roof or, again, whether you're doing some work in and around the house. Uh, They can take great care of you, as they have for me for several years. Years. So we got nine SEC teams in bowl games. Let's take a look at them, shall we? Cotton Bowl is in Arlington. That's Missouri, Ohio State. Now, again, if there's no opt-outs and the teams are motivated, that's a great matchup. That's a lot of fun, that game. Hopefully that'll be the case. December the 29th, 8 o'clock ESPN, uh, the Cotton Bowl. The Orange Bowl in Miami. Now we're talking the best of the non-playoff teams. There's a whole lot of talk here in Atlanta. You know, is Lad McConkey going to play? Is Brock Bowers going to play? Nobody's officially opted out yet, but McConkey, if you watch that SEC championship game, was hobbled. Barely move. Uh, they are not the same offense without him. I, I know he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. He will be in the NFL. They are not the same offense without Lad McConkey. Uh, but Georgia-Florida State, again, if both teams are fully engaged, <laughs> both coaches already blew off a press conference, but if Georgia and Florida State are engaged in the Orange Bowl in Miami December the 30th at 4 o'clock Eastern time, that will be a lot of fun. So will the Peach Bowl right here in Atlanta. Ole Miss-Penn State December the 30th. 
Now, I know Ole Miss is engaged. Uh, my wife is a friend of an assistant coach at Ole Miss, and uh, I can tell you they are happier than a pig and slop to, to take the trip to the ATL and, and play a, a prominent program for the Big Ten in this game. Penn State, much like their uniforms, it's hard to get a, a, a vibe other than vanilla. They just they keep winning games and keep losing to the two teams they need to beat to make any progress. Uh, but that's December the 30th. That's the Peach Bowl. And, of course, the Rose Bowl in beautiful Pasadena, California. Alabama against Michigan. Here's what I know about Nick Saban. He's always got his guys engaged. I mean, it, it, you don't opt out. Remember, last year, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, after the disappointment of not making the playoff, those two guys who were going to be top ten picks easily could have opted out. Neither one of them did. That's that's a cultural thing. When you think so, I mean, that's culture that Nick has instilled over years in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they very rarely have opt-outs for bowl games. Um, no, yeah, you're right. They played and uh, they beat uh, Kansas State's butt pretty good in the Sugar Bowl. So they uh, and they so they exercised the Sugar Bowl demons last year because right. we remember the losses to Oklahoma and Utah when they've ended up there. But no, the opt-outs don't really happen in Alabama. So I think that does speak to that. And we'll, we'll watch Georgia, too. I think that what you said, like, there's a difference between opting out if uh, if you just don't want to play, you want to go get ready for the NFL or whatever, and then but opting out or not being able, not wanting to risk further injury. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, that's something to watch with Georgia, too. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with, with that. Uh, now the quote-unquote lesser games. Call this Tier 2. <clears throat> the Texas Bowl. That's played in Houston. Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. What is Texas A&M going to look like in this game? I mean, their, their, their interim coach has, has done some nice things. And like is usually the case, the players rallied around him. I want him to be the guy. You know, he was never going to be the he's, guy. He's gone now. I guess he's still, maybe he's still coach. Uh, I don't know. Syracuse's new defensive coordinator. So he probably already left then, right? Maybe. I don't I, 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 see, I, I I'll have to look that up. I know he got the job, but I don't know if he – I mean, I don't know if he's coaching the ball or not. Well, either way, I mean, every time I look at the transfer portal, it's another former five-star, four-star guy – that is leaving A and M. When you beat a, when you build a culture based on the bag, as opposed to players that maybe love to play for that school, this is what happens, right? Oh, take the money and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some uh, some schools in South Carolina, you know, everybody's butthurt about Juice Wells leaving because he he got money last year and hit the portal. Think if you were A and M, the investment you made in that class a couple of years oh. back and. Half of them are gone. How, yeah, how much money did they spend on all these linemen that are leaving that are that that didn't equate to a whole lot of wins on the field? I mean, you want to talk about a lack of ROI, return on investment? That that ought, there ought to be an article on that, like on in the Athletic or something. But Texas A&M spent those two classes or whatever it was. I mean. Well into the millions, it was well known. They were they were getting the, the checkbook out. A, what did they get? And B, they certainly get didn't get loyalty. They're all gone. They're all leaving. It's crazy. That's 
that's a, you got to be careful with it, and that's what I, I've been saying. You know, the schools that really are the schools that are just senselessly spending money uh, are not not in good shape. You know, and, and there's a couple of them out there, and you can tell um, they, when they play, they don't have any heart. You know, they they look like Tarzan, and play like Jane half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the schools that are continuing to win, like your Alabamas and Georgias and Michigans and Ohio, they have a they have a system. Like their NIL, they have, it's not you don't hear much about their NIL at all, but they have a system to kind of take care of everybody and everybody's happy and it's still all about the team, even though there is some money being spent. So that's right. uh, that's uh, let that be an example uh, for everybody out there that thinks they can buy their way to a title. Not in this sport, not in college football. The uh, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. So we got the Tax Act Texas Bowl and the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Which is better, Tax Act or Tax Slayer? JC, that's the question that everybody tuned in today for. I've never heard of Tax Act, so I'll go with Slayer. Slayer sounds better, too. It's like that that heavy metal band from the 90s, Slayer. Yeah, that's that's a metal band. I don't think Tax Act could roll out there with, you know, Slash playing the guitar. Tax Act is more like a John Denver vibe. Hey, we're Tax Act. We're, you know, we're here. We'll play a few songs and uh, hope guys. you guys like it. Tax Act! Uh, Tax Act, Texas Bowl, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Tax Slayer, Gator Bowl, Kentucky, Clemson. Davo Sweeney has rallied the troops. They seem engaged. Kentucky had their coach flirt with Texas A&M. Uh, they, they, they're coming off the big win over Louisville. Maybe they can uh, sustain that momentum. That'll be uh, December the 29th at noon. Lots of defense in that game, I think. Lots of defense. Um, yeah. And I'll say this. Listen, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting, Mike, to mention South Carolina again. And I don't. this doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of a random occurrence. So last year, South Carolina played Tennessee and Clemson, last two regular season games. Tennessee and Clemson are matched up in the bowl. This year, South Carolina plays Kentucky and Clemson back-to-back games. Kentucky and Clemson are matched up in the bowl. I know that means nothing, but it's still a weird coincidence. It is a weird coincidence, yes. Third time Kentucky's played, no, fourth time Kentucky's played Clemson in a bowl game that I can recall unless there was something like pre-1980 that I'm missing. But uh, I think Clemson's won two and Kentucky's won one. Tommy Bowden crapped his pants in the Music City Bowl against them one year when Andre Woodson was the quarterback. And then... Dabo beat them one year again in the Music City, and then this is the first time in a Gator. You know, so much of for for the fan base, I think, is the the locale. I mean, if you're going yeah. to these cities, you want good weather and stuff to do. So, no offense to uh, again Shreveport, but like cities like Jacksonville, Tampa, Nashville, Orlando. I mean, these are cool spots to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, you know, for for fans that want to go to, to go to games, like this is again, make a little vacation out of it near the holidays. That that was the whole was the whole reason bowls were born to begin with. If you go back to the history of the bowl games, they were it, it wasn't like some complex. How do we crown a champion in college football? Yeah. It was a marketing opportunity, and and they that that's the whole genesis of the bowl game itself. Before we we wound up with forty one of them. Um, Music City Bowl. I'll be in Nashville uh, this weekend, JC, nice. your former stomping grounds, calling the Titans 
<clears throat> Texans games. So you got C.J. Stroud, who's been a stud, and Will Levis. For those that thought Will Levis was a bum because Kentucky couldn't block a soul and didn't have a wide receiver that could do much, Will Levis has actually played really well. Like, he's he's looking the part. So that'll be a, a fun matchup with a couple guys that were uh, big storylines in college. This one will have Auburn and Maryland. So you have one uh, Tagliolova, and you have Auburn, Preston Thorne, coming off that devastating meltdown against Alabama. That'll be uh, December 30th, 2 p.m. in the Music City. I kind of think, Mike, in your first year, Bowles, first-year coaches, Bowles are a little more important, I think. I mean, this is a, Auburn's sitting at 6-6. Six and six. I don't know if playing Bama close like that watched the stench off the New Mexico State loss or not, but, you know, you go, Maryland's had, Maryland struck, Maryland started hot and then went to crap and then got better. Um, you know, you win this one, you're 7-6. and six. I remember when Hugh Freeze came to Ole Miss, they were, they were like three and nine the year before, and uh, I don't think they won a conference game. Well, they eked it out to six and six. I think they won the Egg Bowl, uh, and then went to the Birmingham Bowl and brought like thirty thousand to, to the Birmingham Bowl, which is a terrible bowl. Um, and they won it. They beat I think they beat Pitt or somebody, and that gave them a lot of momentum. So I, I think if you're Auburn, you know, the bowl games don't always matter, you know, in terms of what you do the next season. But I, I think this is a really important one for them to get. I think. Uh, Go beat a good, um, a really good uh, Maryland team, and uh, get to seven and six, and keep recruiting like you are because uh, that's going to be your way back. It's interesting to me that sometimes there it's hard to get a consensus on how you think a coach is going to do at a particular spot. I can't find anybody that doesn't think Hugh Freeze is is not going to be successful. That that might be a triple negative. They all believe Hugh Freeze is going to do a good job at Auburn. Like I can't find many people like, nah, he's out of his league, or nah, that was a fluke at Ole Miss, or eh, he, you know, he did it at Liberty, but he's not. They all think that a home run hire, b going to bring good things to Auburn, and somewhere Gus Malzahn is sitting there and lighting up a cigar from his plush recliner in the UCF coaching office and going, eh, eh, eh. you think it's easy? Try beating Bama three times like I did, kids. Try winning 69% of your games like I did. And then getting fired by the Auburn brass. Try keeping that Yellowwood guy healthy. <laughs> Good luck with that, guys. That's yeah, a terrible Gus Malzahn impersonation. He talks, talks nothing like that, but I just thought for... I wanted to go into character there, Jason. That is Thank good. you for yeah, it. Gets in his Rolls Royce and drives to practice at UCF, <laughs> where everybody's. I, th- I, I think UCF's in the Gasparilla Bowl, Mike. I th- again, uh, and I think they sold out their. I got an email. I think they sold out their ticket allotment in like thirty minutes. Well, heck, that's because, a I mean, that's an hour and a half drive uh, across I four. Six and six, first year in the Big Twelve. That's a good start, man. It's a good start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they got off to a really rough, rough start before they got it going. I think UCF will be a player uh, in that league before too long. Uh, ReliaQuest Bowl. This will forever, in my heart, be the Outback Bowl, having uh, covered a, a number of those over the years yeah. and getting the complimentary blooming onions. Uh, it was always fun to see how much food you could stuff in your face at halftime before doing play-by-play for the second half. and. Not sounding like you just ate a whale, but uh, LSU is uh, against Wisconsin in that ball game, January the first. That is at noon. Um, 
Feel bad for the LSU. Badgers. <laughs> I feel bad for the Badgers. I mean, yeah. at least LSU is not that great on defense. But, uh, man, I guess Daniel's opted out. I he haven't heard an opt out. I mean, it's uh, now if he, he got three weeks. Play, it could get interesting. LSU owes Wisconsin one because I think the year Les got fired, they went up and they played Wisconsin at Lambeau Field and lost. So they owe the Badgers a, a smack in the face, I think. And I, Last, I, I, was, I thought Wisconsin did not have a good year under Luke Fickle. I, I thought changing up Phil offense Longo. like that was just that, – that really gets away from who you are DNA-wise. Uh, I guess guess who didn't get away from their DNA, no matter what, against all Iowa. the whole college football world laughing at them as Iowa. <laughs> they didn't get away from that. They, weren't, they did not. Like a, they didn't spit the bit, man. So They uh, did not. You know, well, I think – I, I think it's the matter of like, okay, Wisconsin and Iowa for a long time were in a similar boat in that always win more games than you lose, always get to bowl games, always beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but never beat the teams that you need to beat to get to the next level. And so Wisconsin said, you know what, enough of this. We're not going to just be University of Ground and Pound. We are going to do a 180. Phil Longo, come on down. And I didn't expect it to yield great results in year one. Now, will they all of a sudden start getting elite playmakers at quarterback and wide receiver, which you have to if you're going to truly make that transition? I I don't know. I don't know. Um, Madison is another bucket list place for me, JC. I've never been. I've I've never been for a game. I did go through there. It was during the pandemic, and – a friend of mine's dad had pancreatic cancer, unfortunately passed away. So Nat and I, one day, since it was a couple-hour drive, uh, we couldn't get out and see him or anything, but we brought some some shakes and stuff and some a Portillo's chocolate cake, you know, for the family Ooh. and set him on his porch. Just one day, it was like a, it was actually during the game day, and I think uh, I think it was actually the day that uh, South Carolina lost to Ole Miss and Will Muschamp was fired the next day. I remember that. But we drove up, and we went through Madison and saw the uh, – the uh, Dagum um, campus, and Mike, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. like, I mean, it's like if the University of South Carolina was like Columbia was on Lake Murray, because you, you you get off the interstate, you go and then you go across this big, gigantic, beautiful lake, and Madison is just sitting up on the hill, yeah, like in all its glory. And uh, they call it Camp Randall Stadium because that was an old Army camp back in the day. It was a mm-hmm. Camp Randall, um, so it's a. Uh, and then uh, we know some Wisconsin fans; they're they're nut jobs. So it's it's a hell of an atmosphere. <laughs> you know? No, I mean I love everything about it. That's why it's it's on kegs, my bucket list. Kegs and eggs, all those eleven o'clock kickoffs. Man. Yeah, yeah, man. You got to get to the party at seven a.m., man. Kegs and eggs. So uh, but they, yeah, they they are the definition of one of those pro, pro, uh, programs. I'd love to see competing in the playoff for a national championship. Like I, I I'd love to see a Wisconsin take that next step. I think it'd be great for the sport. But they just they just can't get over that, that hump. Last one, the ninth SEC team to be bowling. The game that uh, I had a chance to call last year, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Tennessee, Iowa. That'll be on January the 1st and uh, 1 p.m. Tennessee, Iowa. We still see Joe Milton down there in his hometown, I, or I don't know. Man. We're gonna see the new kid. I, I mean, I doubt Iowa scores a whole lot in this one, but if Joe Milton's not on, 
as good as Iowa is on defense, it, it could be a ten to seven kind of kind of ball game. So, um, hey, look, I'll say this: if, if you're Tennessee, a Tennessee fan out there, and I know we got several that listen, you, you really this season had some disappointing moments. And, and sure, you hope to compete, and everybody everybody, everybody talked about Georgia, this, that, and the other. Uh, you're, they're going to beat Georgia finally and get over the hump. It, it just wasn't the time for it right now, especially. The key to the season was Milton's accuracy. He was not accurate. I think that pretty much doomed you to ten and four, or, or eight and four. But you're still in the Citrus Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great third year. You know, you've gone Music City, Orange, and Citrus now. Uh, it's a great start. Great first three years under Josh Heupel. Just keep recruiting, and your time will probably come. Yeah, I thought I, I said at the very beginning of the year, I thought this would be a, a bit of a setback because you were going to miss those wide receivers and you were going to miss Hendon Hooker and people saying things like Joe Milton's the most talented quarterback in college football. I never bought into that. Um, I, I don't care if he can throw it 80 yards. If you can't hit a 12 yard out, you're going to lose games. And he was wildly inaccurate. There were games this year where he was truly nuke Lelouch to make a, a Bull Durham reference, and he was hitting the bull. He was nowhere near the plate. And that's been the book on him since he was at Michigan. Um, so, but they've got a kid that how much NIL money is uh, is their backup making and right now? A lot of rumors about a lot of that. rumors. It's like insane figures thrown out there. Big figures. It's he's, got two commas and a, and a different integer than one before the first one, right? That's that's the rumor. He's a, he's a really good player, live arm, uh, probably. I mean, you know, Hendon Hooker was uh, freakishly accurate down the field, and, and that's really what made that thing go. But, you know, look, the one the one positive you take out of your Tennessee is, Mike, they got a lot better on defense this year. A lot. Tons. Yeah. I mean, and they, they got a good young defensive line. They, they've had defensive backs. They're good at linebacker. So if you take a positive away from the season, hey, you got that side of the ball heading in the right direction. The, the, the head scratcher, especially now, knowing what we know now about Florida, is how do they go down to the swamp and just lay an egg? They they laid a complete egg. That was against that a, was weird, yeah. man, because they just yeah. Florida just ran it all over them, and I think ET or Johnson won at 172 yards. And yeah, Tennessee did not play that well. It was they uh, did not play one of those well games. That was Crazy. by far and away the biggest win for uh, for Florida this year. Uh, last little note uh, around the SEC, but with Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman at LSU, that's five out of the last seven from the SEC. Daniels, Bryce Young, Devontae Smith, Joe Murray, and yes, I'm going to include Baker Mayfield since Texas is, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma, well, both are now in the SEC. The, the two non-SEC affiliated uh, winners, Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, Caleb Williams. But if you're uh, going to count Lincoln. Baker Mayfield, you got to count Kyler Murray, bro. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Baker so six. six I, 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 I shouldn't do either one of that. That's that's yeah. not fair. Five of eight is good. And it's yeah. crazy because the SEC, SEC wasn't exactly dominant with the Heisman. You know, you just look somebody else from somewhere else would win it. Tennessee has still never won one. Think about Mm-mm. that. Yeah, Tennessee uh, Alabama, has never won a Heisman. Alabama didn't have one until Saban. I think Mark Ingram right. was the first one, and now they obviously had many. <laughs> many. Yeah. So. LSU, you go back to Billy Cannon, the first one, and then Joe Burrow, and now Jaden Daniels, the latest. All right, overdue for our final timeout. We'll wrap things up, see if there's any latest news coming at you here on J.C. and Morgan. Down here in the South. 
We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. All right, final few minutes here on the show. By the way, somebody in chat row mentioned uh, Dr. Hatrack. Is that his real name? It is his real name. And I will tell you this, and I know we have a lot of people listening in Atlanta. We also have people that listen maybe one hour, two hours, three hours away from Atlanta. If you, like, are injured and you don't want to go under the knife, which very often makes things worse, and you want to get better, that dude is like a miracle worker. I'm just telling you. I've been seeing him for 10 years. He's the reason why I'm still able to be active, and he's done – he's worked on over 400 NFL players. You go in there, it's like a man cave of who's who of former athletes. Um uh, and I don't care where you're living. Just go, go to the website. Uh, you will not find a better person to get you well. SynergyReleaseSports.com. He also works closely with the Eagles and the Chiefs because everybody knows he's that good. But we've got he's two locations here in Atlanta. He's got Alpharetta, obviously north of Atlanta, and he's got Buckhead. So just an extra an extra plug for for those fine folks. He's not the only great doctor they have there, but. Uh, he's been my guy for a long time, and yes, that is his real name, Dr. Hat Rack, H-A-T-R-A-K. He's not actually a hat rack. He actually is a doctor. Uh, quick, <laughs> can you tell that was an ad lib? Uh, quick news note from our uh, our guy there, Pete Thamel, at uh, 
at ESPN, who we're going to have on. The, we were going to have him on before everything went crazy with uh, the Big Twelve and Colorado leaving, and you know that was the 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 finger in the dike was removed and everything just went crazy. And he had to hide. He had to cover some strange stuff in college football this year. This was not a typical year of just hey, so and so's got a knee injury. He'll be out on Saturday. It, it was just one like bomb dropped off after another. But Mississippi State tailback, Joquavius Marks. JC, Jay, Jay doesn't stand for Joe, stand for Joquavius, does it? On your Am JC? I mean, yeah. No, it's okay, Joseph. No, Joseph, not Joquavius. All right, just confirming. Uh, he's accounted for 3,108 yards from scrimmage, 27 touchdowns the last four years. He gone. Don't know where he's going. Uh, Will Rogers still don't know where he is going. Could be another SEC school. If it is, he'll break just about every record imaginable. Juice Wells, talented wide receiver of South Carolina. Don't know where he's going yet. Uh, and there's still potential. When's the deadline for this thing again, the portal? Ooh, early January. Now, now that's the deadline to get in. People, that's people what kinda, I meant, yeah. People kind of sometimes think that when the portal closes, you can't recruit out of the portal anymore. That's not You, you can recruit all you want out of the portal. It's just that's the, to get in now. The kids that are in the college football playoff national championship, I think they have another week, like after that. So, in other okay. words, let's say, let's say Alabama or let's say Michigan plays um, Washington. You know, all those guys from those two rosters will have an extra week to get in. So that's kind of the, that's the plan there. Somebody asked a really good question on on game day uh, to Thamel, which was, is the portal like recruiting in that you only get five is five visits the max and your portal visits well no. he wasn't sure of the answer he guessed that was they, right but it, yeah my understanding is they changed the rule and you can go are they recommended that you can have unlimited official visits now unlimited which, wow which okay. was dumb i mean which i mean you know you're trying to solve all these problems that was like not a problem kids rarely use all five official right, visits, right. high school but you know, you're. I mean, there'll be one kid that come, one or two that come along and take eleven official visits, and they would, and then they'll end up busting. But they'll be bus city, and in the portal in a year. But because uh, that's just how that goes sometimes. But no, it's uh. So I think I think they're good to take as many officials as they can. The question is, can schools squeeze them in right now? I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. super busy. You know, super busy. Well, we got so National Signing Day coming up too, right? Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, you know, because you, you, if you're if you're a college coach right now, the season ends Thanksgiving weekend or whatever, and if you're in a bowl, you got to get ready for the bowl, right? But you also have Signing Day coming up, so it's like January used to be with keeping right. your high school kids intact. You have to re-recruit your entire roster and keep your player. You got to recruit your current players, and then you got to go out of the portal and find guys to fill needs on your roster. It it is an insane time, and they, uh, you know, the NCAA don't want to do anything about it. You know, they they made some adjustments this year, but uh, it's it's another one of those things where, you know, I, I could see coaching staffs, Mike, really expanding. You know, you have all these analysts and things like that. I could see the next big wave of coaching staff expansion is going to be personnel to handle personnel across yeah. the board. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, no question. I mean, you, you you need somebody like a director of player personnel, like they have every 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 NFL team has that. That's what you need now in college football. I mean, 
I, I understand they're not going to fix NIL anytime soon. It's it's almost beyond them. But can't they at least fix the calendar? Is that that hard to do? Can we not? This is crazy. I, you know, like, I, I, it, it comes to this, letting guys out of their national letter of intent, which is NL, NLI, not NIL. Um, they, they don't want the paperwork of kids signing in August, which I, a lot of coaches think August would be a perfect time to have a signing day because mm-hmm. it doesn't interfere with the high school season. There's summer official visits now. Most kids have made up their mind by then, and they're just waiting around until December to sign. Um, but you are going to have, with coaching changes that are inevitable, guys needing to get out of that, and that requires paperwork. And, you know, it, it's pretty simple. If your coach gets fired or leaves, you can get out of your national letter of intent. Well, they don't want that, you know. So it all has to be crammed into this three-week period, which is, you know, we have March madness in basketball. We got December madness in college football, and it's crazy. It's nuts. I, I, You know, Anthony Hopkins had a great line in the movie The Edge. He played this billionaire who was married to Elle McPherson. Right there, you're winning at life. And he tells Alec Baldwin at some point in the movie, because they're being chased by a grizzly bear for about an hour and a half. I think we can all relate to that. And he says... Young man, don't ever feel sorry that with a, for a man that owns a plane. I realize all these coaches are making millions of dollars, and so nobody feels sorry for them. But this is not like a judge, a Supreme Court judge. It's not a lifetime appointment. Most of these guys are going to get fired, and a lot of them are going to get fired because they have to navigate through all this nonsense, and it's complete chaos, and that makes a hard job even harder. So I don't feel sorry for millionaire coaches, but I do, I do have compassion for the ridiculous nature of this whole setup and how they have to to go through it. That is going to do it for us. Don't forget to check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. We'll take your emails there. We'll get back into that next week as well as a little five-and-dime action. That's what I love about the the offseason is that we get to – we get to have more great guests. We get to have more fun. You folks still love listening, and so we're going to keep doing it. Uh, so we'll have plenty of more news on the portal, bowl games, everything else as December continues to be a hectic month in college football. Thanks again to Mad Dog, Phil Molinex, always doing a great job producing this fine program. For J.C. and everybody else, Mike saying so long. We'll see you next week on J.C. and Morgan.